the fantasy football bee. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler. And in recent NFL news, after watching the current Cowboys take a knee, Nate Newton was inspired to grab a joint. And I'm Jeff Dooley. I don't know how I'm going to top that, but uh, every week, I got to say, guys, more and more regret regret that I didn't land Tariq Cohen on the waiver wire after week one. Or, that, or Tariq Cohen is that was some the most subtle no. reference, <laughs> Des. I think I've heard in a long, long time. We'll edit in the room shot later. All right. Well, speaking of dropping references, we're talking about dropping players today. See what I did there? We are looking at who you can cut bait on after some disappointing starts. We're going to separate who's worth holding on to, or with bye weeks coming up in week five, who you can move aside and add in that second quarterback, second tight end, even a second defense that you're going to need to fill in for one week and one week only. So with that, let's get to the big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right. So the big idea this week, guys, is a little risque, and that is <laughs> to drop Cam Newton. That's risque. Drop your drawers is risque. All right. Dropping Cam Newton. I derive different pleasure from <laughs> fantasy football than other people, okay? He was the number one quarterback. He was a years MVP. ago. I, mean, well, he, I think Des is quibbling over the definition of the term risque. Yeah, I mean risky. There's risky. In I the was, word. I, I, maybe I l- was just saying risky in a risky <laughs> okay. way. Okay. In a risque way. Risque way. All right, let's move on. My point stands. I am terribly, terribly disappointed in Cam Newton. The guy looks lost as a quarterback, and what's more concerning to me, he has barely made any impact as a runner this year. Whether it's his decision not to run the ball or the offense's decision to take the ball out of his hands as a runner. Either way, it's not good for fantasy owners. And he's going to be one of those guys that he, if he's on your bench, you're going to be thinking about starting him against good matchups. And he just proved against the Saints he can't be relied upon, even in super favorable matchups. I'm not letting him take up a roster spot on my bench anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough in a lot of leagues to carry more than one quarterback. I know a lot of teams do it. I don't really advise it because in one-quarterback leagues, you can always find a guy in the waiver wire to fill in for your bye week. There'll always be like five or six okay options at any given moment. So you just wait till your quarterback's bye week comes along, figure out who's most droppable on your roster. But in, in any event, so I think teams you know, can go ahead and drop Cam Newton and pick up a, a more promising quarterback. I mean, as you said... the teams he's played, I mean, it's not just that he didn't do well against the Saints, and that was kind of a prove-it game, I think, for a lot of fantasy owners, and he only completed 17 of 26 passes for 167 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, it was a terrible game. Terrible. Truly terrible. But he he started the season uh, playing the 49ers and the Bills. I mean, those aren't exactly, you know, the uh, the steel curtain there. So he's now had... Bills' defense is pretty good. Okay, they they might be kind of frisky, fine. But, you know, that was at home, too. So you'd like, you'd like, you'd hope he had a better showing than that. He's 26 right now in QB scoring. That's behind the likes of Jacoby Brissett, who has, what, one start? And Case Keenum, who's had one start, and is Case Keenum. So, yeah, I mean... you know, I, it, it, you, have to, you, have to, you have to weigh, like, are we overreacting or not? But I think based on the fact that he came in the season with an injury, a shoulder injury, you know, a little, he was sort of like Andrew Luck light in that sense, and they're trying to adjust to a new offense, and they've had these, these receivers go down, I think he is droppable. I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. Uh, l- let me put it this way. I think he's going to get better throughout the season. I think all the things you said are right, but 
there's plenty of room to grow just in terms of, one, he is coming off the injury. Two, they're really sort of reinventing him this year in terms of what they're asking him to do within the offense. Uh, he struggled with that, especially those short throws. He's not the most accurate passer, one of the worst in the league, actually. Um, and without the running benefit, he isn't sort of that uh, high upside fantasy guy. I have a hard time believing once they're in the thick of the playoff race, uh, if one of their best options for moving the football isn't isn't is running Cam Newton, that they're not going to do it. So I guess I would say if you're in a deeper league or you're really unhappy with your current quarterback situation, I might advocate hanging on to him for a little bit longer because I think he's going to get better. But I don't begrudge anyone who says, look, I need the extra roster spot. Get rid of him. There's a lot, a uh, lot better quarterback performers in fantasy right now. I mean, here, here's the one thing, and you alluded to it, Jeff, as to why I don't necessarily believe he's going to get a ton better. He, he's being asked to do a lot of what he does really poorly, and that's make short passes to Christian McCaffrey and to the rest of his receiving core. Now he's out without Greg Olson. Now he could be without Kelvin Benjamin. His injury status is a little bit up in the air. It looks like it's not structurally damaged, which is a good thing. Keep an eye on that as the week gets clo- weekend gets closer, because I do think Benjamin will still be a viable play going forward. But I, I just don't see Cam Newton somehow mastering this new art uh, over the course of the season if he hasn't gotten it already. Well, and it, even if he does, I mean, I think that's a fair point, Jeff, that he's, they're sort of still working out the kinks in this new offense. But, I mean, let them work out the kinks on their own time. Like, you've got a fantasy team that needs to win, and there are other quarterbacks who, I mean, even some of these rookies, even somebody like Deshaun Kaiser, they're running at least. You know, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Kaiser, they're giving you those ground yards that Cam isn't right now. And, and if that's, that's been one of his major calling cards over the years. So if he's not giving you that, then... By the way, to be clear, I'm not advocating starting him in fantasy right now. I just think as, among sort of the, the stash quarterbacks or uh, backup quarterbacks you could have in fantasy right now, I like him better than some of the others. I don't think uh, he's going to con- continue to be as low performing, but certainly if you're only keeping one on your roster, it shouldn't be him. Uh, and and do not play him until further notice, until we see that offense get better. All right, so Cam might still be a little bit more murky, but some of these other guys on our list that we're going to talk about, cut and bait on, case is a lot more open and shut. And for me, it's another big name, but it's a really clear-cut case in my mind. Adrian Peterson with the Saints. Of the three running backs, it looks like Alvin Kamara is going to be the pass-catching back. It looks like Ingram, Mark Ingram, is going to be the workhorse back. Where does Adrian Peterson fit in? And even when he has fit in to date, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, I, I think you're banking on goal line appearances with him, um, which which hasn't really come to fruition. And I agree. I mean, if you made me pick one right now, I think I'd take Alvin Kamara, the rookie, just because I, I I do see some benefit if they're behind in a lot of games. He's he's their third down guy, and it's clear they like him. But uh, I'm not going to argue with getting rid of uh, Adrian Peterson right now. No, I, I yeah, I mean they signaled right off the bat that this was maybe not going to work out for him. I mean, if at Minnesota, if he wasn't going to get a lot not of touches before the that season, game, apparently they didn't, they didn't let him <laughs> I mean, know. That's but true. <laughs> he I guess, found out when the rest of us found that's out. That's true. It, it, as that game unfolded, to his horror and his uh, his apparent dis, uh, displeasure with uh, Sean Payton. Um, but you know, I mean, if you want to hang your hat on anything with Adrian Peterson, his carries and yards are going up. Of course, they're going up from week one. He was six for eighteen. <laughs> Week two, eight for 26. Last week, nine for 33. So, hey, it's trending upward. By week 10, he may be usable. So, hey, maybe a stash candidate. But, no, if, if you need to open up a roster spot, I think definitely droppable at this point. All right, one more name on the list. This one is a little bit controversial from a injury standpoint. David Johnson, number one pick in a lot of drafts, definitely top two or three for sure. Out for a considerable amount of time, Des. 
is he worth holding on to? And I know this is a personal problem for you. Yeah, it's a it's one of my many personal problems. Just, uh, just to be clear, and, <laughs> yes. and I don't want to talk about your personal problems uh, <laughs> right this moment, but uh, you chose David Johnson number one overall over Le'Veon Bell, which was particularly painful for you. Sorry to relive it. <laughs> wow. Uh, because you ranked Le'Veon Bell above David Johnson uh, all offseason long. Wow. Sorry. I was wondering why you brought that salt shaker in with you. Now I realize it was to <laughs> pour it into my wound. That's great. Yes, after advocating Le'Veon Bell over David Johnson all offseason, I... Kind of changed my line at the last moment in the league I most want to win. I took David Johnson with the number one overall pick, which I shouldn't even have that pick, but never mind. Um, so now I'm holding on to him, and I, I realize that's kind of stupid. A lot of people um, have said you should just drop him. He has an 8- to 12-week timetable. I mean, obviously the only good news is if you lose him in week one, if he comes back in eight weeks, you know, I, I think he is, he is worth holding on to at that point. I think the reason I'm holding on to him right now is partly because I, I just have this vision in my, my mind of like, okay, if I can tough it out, if I can make it to the playoffs without this guy, how great would it be to get him back? And even if he comes back in week 13, you know, that's the start of the fantasy playoffs. That might make it worth it. And uh, with that team, I just haven't quite gotten to the point where I, I feel like, okay, I absolutely need to like open this roster spot. But I wouldn't blame anybody for dropping him. I would at least explore one trade, like package him with, a, with one of your lower tier players and try to get, you know, try to improve from a wide receiver three to a wide receiver two. Maybe you package David Johnson with your wide receiver three. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, Br- Bruce Arians, I mean, a lot was made of him saying like, oh, we might not give Dave, get David Johnson back till Christmas, which obviously would be like week 16. So definitely droppable in that case. But I think that was he was just kind of saying that as far as I could tell, the full quote was, I'm hoping we can possibly get him back by Thanksgiving or Christmas. I mean, Thanksgiving would be a little bit more, you know, would, would give you a little bit more optimism. So yeah. I'm, I'm open for that. Or Christmas seems a little <laughs> scary, though. Yes. I mean, that is the season right exactly well exactly fantasy season but it's an eight all right so the initial prognosis was an eight to 12 week timetable i mean he is a he's a terrific athlete they've already said you know some of the usual rules about these recoveries don't necessarily apply to him every case is different i guess the other thing i want to say is i'm hanging on to him just to hoping that i get a little bit more news if in a couple of weeks we find out okay this is a really slow recovery or there's something they find out like we just don't know anything at the moment and i'm just loathe to to drop him but i would not blame anybody who did I, i wouldn't drop him the reason being I think you need to sort of take stock of your team. If you're in really good shape, even uh, you know, in spite of this injury, you're hanging in there. Uh, he's a tremendous late-season possible playoff asset. If you're in trouble, try to trade him, get something out of him, target a right. team that, that is doing really well at the top of the standings and might be willing to say, hey, you know, I, like you said, I'm willing to let go of my wide receiver two right now uh, in order to get this asset who could win my championship for me. So yep. uh, don't drop him. See what you can get for him. If, if it's you're hearing absolute crickets, maybe. <laughs> but I, I think it's too early for that. To your point, Des, if you can get some news in a couple weeks where you know about his, his recovery, uh, I, I would do that. Another injured player figures prominently into the Carolina Panthers offense, and we've discussed his name before, Greg Olson. Time to cut bait on Cam Newton's favorite passing target. Oh, yeah. I, 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 in this case, I say so for sure, because his value is not Agreed. the same as David Johnson. He's not a league winner type. I mean, sure, he could come back and get red hot. The nature of his injury, uh, a broken foot, I mean, that's a much scarier proposition. I think he might be in line for that Jones fracture surgery that some other players have had, and Sammy Watkins had it, needed another procedure. That's happened before. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely droppable. All right, into the fantasy wasteland that is the Seattle Seahawks backfield. Eddie Lacy. Drop. Anyone. Anyone, we, anyone. We can have a quick discussion on this, can't we, Jeff? Jeff? Jeff, do you even have any any possible crumb of a reason to keep Eddie Lacy? No. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but since we're talking about the Seahawks back, I mean, I think the real question is Thomas Rawls. Like, right? Eddie Lacy is definitely droppable. Rawls. I don't think we would have said before last week droppable. Now he gets what one snap last week. Chris Carson gets all the work. Yep. 
he's really done nothing this season, did nothing in the preseason. So I think he, you know, Eddie Lacy clearly droppable. I think Rawls now has gotten to that point. Carson and Procise seem to be the only two backs worth owning in that team. I think that's absolutely right. I, you know, the savvier players, keep an eye on what's going on there just because you don't know for sure. Uh, we might see a resurgence of one or both of those guys later in the season. For now, you can't use up a roster spot on them. Two of the league's buzzier young players coming into the season, Connor Cup and Kenny Collett. It's Ken- Cooper Cup. How many times are we going to do this? My <laughs> Cooper Cup. Yeah. This is not the You're first time you've my done Connor Cup. All right. Connor, if that is your real Coop, I can't even say it now. <laughs> Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. I'm going to write this on the blackboard it's, it's a hundred times. It's Cooper McGregor, I think. Isn't it? <laughs> Cooper, Cooper Cup and Kenny Galladay. Either way, <laughs> talented young receivers, even if I don't have a clue how to say their names. They were definitely sleeper picks for a lot of people coming into drafts. After week one, both impressed. Both got added to a lot of rosters. When you make that sort of initial early investment, is this too early to cut bait? Or I mean, they haven't done much since week one. Yeah, I, I don't think it's too early to cut bait. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? I don't think so. I mean, it really depends on your situation in each case. Um, I've hung on to Galladay. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't really know what to do with him. I think it, you know, right now he's just sort of taking up a, the end of my bench. Um, he has more upside than I feel like other players might have at that spot. But if I find a waiver claim I really like, uh, you know, he's probably the first to go. So it, it really, it's sort of a case by case thing, but. Uh, you can't feel great about any of the three. Cup might be my favorite of the three right now. Galladay is sort of the high upside guy. If you only had to plug him in for one week, you, you might end up with, with a big game from him. So it, you, you kind of have to balance those, but certainly concerning uh, recent performances. Yeah, I, I think of the two, Galladay is more worth keeping because, as you said, if you're going to take a one-week flyer and a guy, Galladay has so much more touchdown potential, and that's really yep. when you're trying to take a flyer, that's really what you're hoping for. That's six quick points. You know, they're, they're spreading the ball around a lot in Detroit, but now they are, at least last week they did, uh, with the Rams as well, and, and maybe to a certain degree, Cooper Cup is the victim of Jared Goff's matur- rapid maturation as a quarterback because it seemed like from the preseason and then into week one, the, the, the narrative was he is locked on a Cooper Cup. He loves him some Cooper Cup. He's going to throw passes all day. Now he's they're, locked on Connor Cup. They're, they're roommates, I think. <laughs> Are, so they that have right? that natural. Okay. So they, uh, he, Cooper moved in with, uh, with Jared Goff. And oh, think. okay. Yeah, I so might it's be like totally a, butchering that it's story. Like, it's like a Romo, might be the, Jason might be the other or, way or uh, Flacco, Pitta sort of situation. But either way, <laughs> you know, in week three, Jared Goff gave seven targets each to Sammy Watkins, uh, Robert Woods, and Todd Gurley. You know, so, and, and the Rams still have a couple of promising young tight ends in Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett. So, yeah, I think, I think that will be a passing game that won't sort of lock on to Cooper Cup anytime soon. He will have the odd successful week. But, yeah, I think it's safe to drop. He has, what, 50 yards in his past two games total? Yeah. So that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last guy on our list, possibly the most controversial, but it definitely wouldn't have been if we were having this conversation a week ago. Andy Dalton of the Cincinnati Bengals, back from the dead with a big first half against the Green Bay Packers. My question, second half was not that special. If you look at the game as a whole, he performed okay statistically as, as far as a fantasy quarterback goes, but he struggled pretty significantly in the other, what is that, seven quarters? Uh, more than that. You're asking a couple of English majors here, Mike. I yeah. don't know. He's not been good except for two quarters. I'll say that. I can count to two. Barely. All right. So Andy Dalton, stick with him or punt? Well, I mean, if, if you were counting on Andy Dalton, it probably means you're in a two-quarterback league, in which case you definitely should stick with him because you're not going to find much there on the waiver wire. And I think he did show enough improvement uh, last week, and I think there's enough promise of, of continued improvement with the new offensive coordinator. I mean, if he was your starter – 
I, I, there were scenarios in which he was drafted to be a starter. He was ranked, you know, some some deep pe- leagues. You, deep leagues. He's certainly fourteen team leagues, sixteen team leagues for sure. You know, some rankings had him. Were pretty aggressive on him. So okay, fine. But after the first couple of weeks, I would have hoped you found some some well other direction to go in anyway. You know, maybe you can pick him up. Maybe you can replace him with Cam Newton now. But uh, uh, so no, I, I think there's still a lot of talent in offense. I think better things are still yet to come. Dalton's been good in the past. I don't think we should assume that he's just totally forgotten how to play quarterback. I mean, he was never super great. So I don't think your expectations should have been that high to begin with. Yeah, I think he's like a streamer candidate. I, I don't think he should be your starting quarterback. And he's probably not worth keeping on as a backup. Um, you know, I, I might bring him on on a on a one week uh, basis, but I I think it's probably time to to let it go. I mean, he, he's another guy who hasn't really rushed as much as he sometimes has in the past. He's one of those sort of sneaky um, quarterbacks who who sort of racks up rushing touchdowns and yardage in past season. You know, f- maybe four touchdowns and stuff. So if he starts giving you a little bit of that, then that'll obviously do wonders for his value. And if you are going to stream him, this would probably be a good week to do so. He's got the Browns, the sixth most friendly defense when it comes to quarterback fantasy scoring allowed. All right, well, now we got our drops sorted out. Let's get to the stock watch. Stock watch. Stock watch. Three weeks into the fantasy season, we have a little bit of a track record for some of these guys now, Des. Who's moving up and who's moving down? Well, let's start with uh, moving up with a couple of Eagles running backs, uh, LeGarrette Blunt and Wendell Smallwood. Uh, unfortunately, the reason they're moving up is because Darren Sproles had – one of the sort of worst combined injuries ever, yeah. a, broke, a broken arm and a torn ACL on the same play. That's pretty brutal. Um, poor Darren Sproles. It's such a great fancy play. This, I mean, because he came into the season, and the the word was this could be his final season. He's 34, I think. Right. And Yeah, so if this is how he goes out, I mean, that, that is really that is a darn shame because yeah. he's been a pretty fun player to watch and a very useful guy in fantasy, especially in PPR leagues. But and he, he was, you know, a key contributor to that Eagles team. I mean, that's a, that's a right. big hit for them. Yeah, I mean, selfishly, it was a big hit. I had him in a number of leagues because, yeah, I liked I liked Sproles going into the season because you looked at that backfield. Yeah, I, it didn't seem like they were very high on LeGarrette Blunt. He seemed like he was on the roster bubble. Wendell Smallwood appeared to be on the roster bubble, roster bubble earlier than that. And I thought, okay, Sproul, they love Sproles. They didn't play him at all in the preseason, I thought, because they were saving him for the regular season. It just, you know, he didn't rack up big numbers, and now that's all in the past. So let's move on. Um, Garrett Blunt, I think his guy who I was, who was stocked down maybe just a week or two ago. Hey, back up again. I mean, you know, someone's <laughs> someone's got to get the, the Legarrette coaster. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, he he is the most likely guy to score a touchdown there, and he had 12 carries for 67 yards last week against the Giants. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty darn solid. Wendell Smallwood had 12 carries for 71 yards, and I think that's something you might see in terms of the carries. Um, and so I think Legarrette Blunt's stock is up again because he'll get probably just enough work to make it like reasonably likely that he scores a touchdown. Maybe like maybe he'll get like eight or nine on the season. Uh, Wendell Smallwood is the guy who was a very popular guy on waiver wires this week. He got a lot more snaps. He had 43 snaps last week. That's 21, 21 more than Legarrette Blunt played. Uh, Corey Clement is still there too, but I think I think we can not worry about him, even though he did score a touchdown last week. So. Give me a, a Blunt and Smallwood look like they might be the core of that backfield, at least for the foreseeable future. Just when we were getting used to Javoris or Buck Allen as one of the Ravens featured backs, here comes Alex Collins. Who? Yeah. Well, you know, he was he was somebody that the Seahawks, who apparently were so rich in running back talent, they just couldn't <laughs> keep him on their squad. So the uh, the Ravens picked him up. And, you know, obviously Terrence West hasn't really been getting it done on the ground. Javoris, Allen... I think we'll still have a big role there. So I, I, this was another popular waiver wire pickup, and why not? He had nine rushes for 82 yards against the Jags in a game where the Ravens could not do anything else. And granted, most of that came in garbage time. So you know we'll see what happens if they put him out there when when the 
you know, when the, when the games are, are sort of meaningful. But look, any guy who can do that, you know, I think the Ravens are going to feel like, look, let's give a little bit of a bigger look to. And obviously, when you go from being complete a guy they just brought in off the street to possibly getting, you know, a pretty sizable share of the carries there, your stock is up. Another guy I'm going to say stock up for is Eli Manning. Um, he looked really terrible, as did the entire Giants offense for the first two games, and really like through most of the first half of the, of the game last week against the Eagles. But his stock is only up because Odell Beckham is healthy again. And when Odell Beckham plays, even Eli Manning can complete passes. Even Eli Manning can throw touchdowns. You know, he, he threw for, in fact, threw for 366 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. I mean, you'll take that all day from a fantasy quarterback. He was somebody who was already sort of not really drafted to be a QB1. So if a lot of people dropped him after the first couple of weeks, which were god-awful, I don't blame them. But I think it's just, it's just a function of they, that Odell Beckham makes that offense so much better. Everyone else then slots into a much more reasonable role. Sterling Shepard can be the slot guy who wriggles around underneath. You know, Brandon Marshall can try to get open, do his thing. Mm-hmm. They also went to a bit more of an up-tempo offense in the second half, which I think helped them, and I think we'll see more of that going forward. This is also a team with no running game, so they're throwing it a ton. They're going to continue to need to do that. Uh, offensive line has been an issue, which obviously can affect Manning, but uh, certainly very pass-heavy for them. Uh, in that regard, he makes sense. If you drafted a guy who, who's who's been a bust so far, say Cam Newton, maybe Eli's a guy you get off the waiver wire this week. Well, as far as Beckham's concerned, your stock was definitely down in week three if you were an imaginary fire hydrant. Who else is on the down deck, Des? Uh, going down, let's see. How about Ben Roethlisberger? You know, his his weird road woes continue. It's so strange. Yeah, I mean, at Chicago. Okay, I guess now we, we maybe we can feel like Chicago's a pretty tough out at home. I mean, they... They held the, the Falcons down pretty well also, but like 235 yards, one touchdown. Now, also in fairness, Martavis Bryant dropped a oh, bomb yeah. in that, that was, game. That was bad. So Ben's, Roethlisberger's numbers would have looked a whole lot better there. But I think in general, he has looked a little bit shaky this season. He has yet to throw for more than 265 yards, more than two touchdowns in a game. I mean, this is with Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant. Maybe Le'Veon Bell getting off to a slow start has something to do with it. But I think it might also, might also be he's 35. Look, not everybody's Tom Brady. Not everybody's going to play until they're 40. He's at an age where certainly in years past, like, quarterbacks got worse. You know, and, and he's just, he just has looked sort of shaky out there. And I'm not the only one saying that. There's a lot well, of... And he's taken a ton of hits, yeah. too. Yeah. You yeah. know, yes. I think yep. where, where Brady might have been preserving himself a little bit more, Roethlisberger, because he can shake off, you know, pass rusher upon pass rusher, it, you know, th- those hits do take a toll. So I think there's definitely merit to that. All right. Another player that whose stock is down right now, I'm going to go with Jeremy Macklin. Um, he's not getting the volume I, I expected from him. Now, it... it We'll see what happens with the Ravens' offense, but I, I think we all were a little bit surprised when we came across a stat that they were the, the team that threw the most passes in the NFL the past two seasons. It's like, wow, that's not very Ravens-esque. Well, now they're second to last in pass attempts, and who knows what they're going to be doing on that offense. But so far, Macklin not really getting the targets. He had four in Week 1, five in Week 2, five in, in Week 3, but only caught one of them for eight yards. He's kept himself afloat by catching touchdowns, but he doesn't have more than 56 yards in any one game. And, you know, this, this, just, this offense just looks like a mess. You know, we were talking about players to drop earlier. I mean, I wouldn't drop Macklin. I would hope to, I would try to stash him in, because he clearly is the number one receiver there, and it's right. tough to drop. Right. It's tough to drop clear number one wide receivers. But, you know, if you're in a pinch, like, I also don't feel like things are going to blossom there anytime too soon either. So I, I had Mike Wallace on my drop list. Yep. I, you know, I think if you're still oh, hanging... Oh, dro- Wallace, so droppable. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, Brashard Perriman hasn't done much there. I, I think, again, the same caveat applies that when we were saying about Cam Newton and, pa- and the Panthers earlier, I do think the Ravens' offense is still figuring things out. Flacco missed the entire preseason with the injury, so right. it wouldn't surprise me if things changed there. So, like, keep monitoring the situation, but 
until things change, you can't hang on to some of these players or, 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 or be starting some of those guys. Speaking of drops, Eric Ebron. Oh, so many drops. Two, at least two like really brutal fourth-quarter drops in a game that they would turn out brutally for the entire Detroit team. And, and how often has that happened with him specifically? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think he had the most. He le- yeah, he led tight ends in drops last year. I'm just looking that up, and he, yeah, like I said, we had two more the other day. I mean, he's he's had one like okay game by tight end standards. Five catches for 42 yards and a touchdown is certainly good enough. That was in week two. In weeks one and week three, he had two catches for nine yards both times. So yay, that's terrible. Um, you know, I, I know Jeff was down on him beforehand because he didn't like the athleticism there. <laughs> I thought he'd have a pretty solid role in the offense. Maybe he won't, you know, and, and this is another guy. If you wanted to drop him, like if, if Charles Clay is on the waiver wire or somebody else, uh, some other tight end who's gotten off to a better start that you like, maybe Jared Cook, you know, I wouldn't say don't do it. Yeah, I think spreading the ball around in, in Detroit has been great for Matthew Stafford. Really not so great for a lot of the uh, fantasy values of some of these other guys. I think Ebron right. sort of, uh, y- you can see that with him. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because Marvin Jones is another player who, you know, we, we could have included in drop discussion. Yeah, what, what do you do with him? Well, it's a good question. We should have talked about Marvin Jones earlier. <laughs> That's true. You've stumped us, Jeff. Instead, let's move on to value picks. Value picks. Well, the only thing better than having a player whose stock is on the rise is to get him before that stock even goes up. So with that, who we got our eye on in value picks? Jeff, lead us off. I'm going to say this week, th- this might be a little bit too obvious, but uh, I wouldn't have followed my own advice last week. Devontae Parker, uh, he's playing the Saints this week. He's sort of coming in, at, you know, a lot of rankings I'm seeing. He's in that fringe sort of like flex territory. Start him this week. I think, you know, in the in the offseason, I was talking to Matt Bowen, uh, an ESPN analyst who was kind enough to join us for our, our Washington Post League mock draft. Right. Um, and he made the point that especially playing with Jay Cutler, he was like, Every game, it's going to be three catches, 80 yards, maybe a touchdown. Like That's what they're going to yeah. look for with him. A lot of downfield throws. Cutler loves to just sort of lock in on that outside receiver. He did with Alshon Jeffrey, uh, and I think Parker's playing that role. I didn't start him in the league. I have him last week because there were some question marks about his health, and then he went out and had a big game. Uh, Saints defensive uh, backfield really makes things easier for you as well, so I like Parker this week. For some. You know, the, the Cam Newton aside last week, you got to like any player going up against the Saints these days. Uh, it's, it's definitely a test for the Miami offense in general. I mean, they looked obviously horrific against the Jets, and now they're going to London. They've, they've had this weird start to the season. They missed their home opener. They're not going to play a true home game. I think the London game counts as a home game for them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. obviously not really. So, you know, that, that will be, they'll be an interesting offense to watch in general. And you had to love Devontae Parker catching a touchdown pass on the very last play of that game against the Jets. I mean, the most garbagey of garbage time <laughs> the, scores. The ever. garbage had already been taken out to sea. It was <laughs> on a barge. And that's yeah. the kind of garbage we're talking about. They but, all count the same. Right. But, but maybe it does go to Jay Cutler, you know, when, when all else fails, looks to Parker. I mean, who knows? I, uh, I should, probably should apologize for that Jay Cutler suggestion uh, earlier. Uh, I Des would correct me about the Jets, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, see? it's coming back to bite me. I warned you. I'll atone later. You'll see. I warned you. All right. So another name out of New York, coincidentally, Des. Yeah. Well, we were talking about um, Eric Ebron. He's another guy you might drop Ebron for. I don't know if I'm quite ready to do this yet, but Evan mm. Ingram, the mm. rookie, first round pick. 
I didn't expect a ton from him early on, partly because I thought there were a few too many mouths to feed in the, with the Giants. But, look, this is a team that just can't run the ball. They need to throw it. Evan, uh, Evan Engram's a, a big, tall target there, and he's been very consistent. In the first game, he had four catches, 44 yards. Second game, four catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Third game, five catches, 45 yards. And look, people, this is we're talking tight ends here. Like That's decent production for yep. a tight end, especially in PPR leagues. He's, in fact, the seventh most targeted tight end uh, through three weeks, which, again, says something about, about the position, which has been a bit of a mess in the early going. Um, and then he, he's up against. They're going up against the Bucks this week, who just got thrashed by yeah. the Vikings. They just gave up 350 yards through the air against Case Keenum. So you'd like to think maybe uh, maybe Evan Ingram can do, can do some damage there. I got one other value guy I want to throw out there: Duke Johnson of the Browns. Uh, in the passing game, you've seen that they've lost a lot of weapons. Uh, might not have had that many to begin with, but Corey Coleman going down uh, with the injury, obviously a factor. Last week, six catches for 81 yards on seven targets. Is he becoming uh, one of their primary pass catchers? You've even seen them. They use him in the slot. They split him out wide. Uh, he's one of, their, one of the better weapons in that offense. So I do think he's a guy. He, he's probably not. He's on that fringe start territory right now. He's a guy to look at. My value pick is a guy who is going to be my Cam Newton replacement in one league, and that is Carson Palmer. He gets the Niners at home. The Niners, they who just gave up a bonanza-type day to Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams, I think the Cardinals can do the same. They looked better against the Cowboys than the, uh, the final score indicated. They might get John Brown back, too. That would be big. So I, I like Carson Palmer, especially if they get Brown uh, back somewhere near full strength. He would be my value pick for this week. Fire beware. 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 All right, Jeff. Fire beware. Beware. And the Detroit running game has typically been pretty scary. Yeah, I keep picking on Amir Abdullah. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've used him at least once more for this segment, and I brought him up a few times in in, uh, drafts. But I'm tripling down now. Uh, going up against uh, a road game against the Vikings. Uh, really, really good defense up there in Minnesota. Uh, not favorable for opposing running backs. And I just think, one, Abdullah hasn't been particularly efficient with his opportunities, and it's clearly a passing offense there. there you know, that's sort of uh, how they've been able to move the ball. Uh, so I don't like him against the Vikings. One other bonus buyer beware, Jared Cook, the Raiders tight end, going against the Broncos uh, secondary, he had a touchdown. He was the only guy who did anything <laughs> against the Redskins last week. He had a touchdown, but I think it's sort of, uh, I would not start him this week. Very good pass defense in Denver, and I think uh, you, you see the you see the touchdown from the week before. You get enticed into starting him. I would not do that in this case. Uh, so, uh, Mir Abdullah, Jared Cook, I would stay away this week. Hmm, the Broncos as a bad matchup for pass catchers. I think I'm anticipating a trend. Yeah, I feel like uh, I've, been, I've been scooped here a little bit. I was going to talk about Amari Cooper. I uh, saw it on the on the show rundown yeah, sheet, and I was right. like, I'm I'm going to get him. Just gonna. All right, you salted his wounds. Yep. You're stealing his teams. Yep, brutal. Um, you know, Amari Cooper. I think you got to start. If he's on your team, you got to start him. He's Amari Cooper, but you know he's gone off to kind of a, a pretty unimpressive start to the season. Um, you know, he had uh, 62 yards receiving in week one, caught a touchdown, so that seemed like a good week. But that was he only caught five balls on 13 targets, and then he followed it up with a 33-yard outing the week, the, the next week, and then one catch on five targets for six yards against the Redskins, and what was was a complete debacle for them. And what's odd is Cooper is only catching 43.5 percent. Of, of the balls thrown his way, you know, and this is someone with a career average of 58%, so maybe that rebounds, I mean, drops are supposed to be kind of fluky, but I don't know if it rebounds at Denver, you know, and you combine the fact that Derek Carr looked so shaky on the road last week, now they're in one of the toughest places to try to throw the ball, you know, and, and I think he's, he's a definite, 
if not a complete stay away, maybe you put him in your flex spot and you try to see if there's you know, a, 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 better, a, a wide receiver with better chances this week. How many games were just totally ruined by that Raiders offense? How many fantasy games? I mean, I know I had the, the situation where I was playing Marshawn Lynch and needed about you know, like six points. <laughs> Felt pretty good going in. He did absolutely nothing. Uh, the receivers didn't do anything either, and certainly Derek Carr hardly had a, a day to remember. Yeah, it wasn't great if you were a Terrell Pryor owner either. <laughs> but, uh, there have been very few days where it's been good to be a Terrell Pryor owner. It has been good to be a Leonard Fournette owner, but this week might not be so much. This is the part where I, tone, I atone about my hatred, or not hatred, but my low sentiments, I suppose, about the Jets' defense. They're actually the yep. number 2 rated defense against running backs. All right. right. So go gangrene, uh, but boo Leonard Fournette this week. If you're if you're looking for a daily league play, I'd look someplace else. Obviously, you're going to start him if you got him in a season-long league, though. Yeah, I mean, they, they seem like, it, certainly, if, I think if you're looking at last week going, wow, the Jags are awesome. Now, they haven't beat the pants off two of the three teams they played. Remember, they, they, they trounced the, the Titans, I think, in, in week one. So maybe there is something going on there. But, you know, they're, they're, they're probably not going to have to do a whole lot on offense because I think the Jets are going to find it very tough to score. So it'll probably be a very conservative, low-scoring game all around. Actually, it was the Jags stomping the Texans in oh, week one. Very, sounds right. like Titans, though. You can be forgiven. Right, right. Sorry. Texans, Titans. It's all the same to me. Cooper Connor. <laughs> what to watch for as we gaze into the future of week four what will we be focused on des what you got i'm gonna be looking at the colts at the seahawks game uh mostly from the seahawks perspective i mean we've talked to ad nauseum about the running game but look you know chris carson emphasis on nausea by the way <laughs> right i just you know in a game that the seahawks probably should win they probably should hand the Col- handle the colts with relative ease and if so do they run the ball a lot and if so does chris carson get all the work does rawls we talked about him earlier does he get any of the work does Lacey come back from the dead? I just kind of want to see. I also want to see, does, can Russell Wilson have another good game? Can his offensive line play a little bit better? And again, what should be, doesn't seem like all that threatening of a defense. I think the Colts have been a little bit friskier on defense than maybe we expected. Um, we also have the Doug Baldwin situation. So if he's, he has a groin injury, I think he's expected to play. But um, even if he's sort of limited in this game, I think it'll be interest, interesting to see the wide receiver two spot between Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett, who kind of emerges there. I think both of them, are sort of interesting guys in fantasy, but neither of them has really been able to carve out a consistent role. So I want to look at that. And then on the other side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he looked great last week. Uh, can he get the ball to T.Y. Hilton again? This is at Seattle. So. Yeah, that's, that's a tough story. Right, so fine. But if he can, then, I mean, look at what we have going forward. If Brissett can hook up with Hilton in this game, then I think you have a ton of confidence in it. And if not, okay, maybe we give him a pass. But I'll be interested to see how he, how he plays. And he might have a few more weeks as the starter. Right. Andrew Luck was supposed to come back to practice this week, but he's not going to practice now. The delay continues, and oh, no. frustrated owners stay frustrated, yeah, that, raising that, my that, hand. That is bad news. Yeah, Jack Doyle didn't do anything last week, though, so we'll see if he's, uh, he gets back on. He brought uh, cheer to oh, your right. hearts. Doyle, or at least another, mine. That's another thing to watch. I'm a Doyle owner two, in one league. Two yeah. catches, 16 yards, so it, it, he needs to uh, turn that around. All right, Jeff, where are you looking? I'm looking at Monday Night Football, the Redskins at the Chiefs. Uh, this Washington offense, first, a mea culpa. Uh, I don't know if you recall uh, the big idea from last week when we told you Chris Thompson's production was unsustainable, uh, <laughs> and then he immediately went out right. and had the, the monster yes. game of all monster games. It's now, all relative. It's still unsustainable, by the way. But That is, uh, yeah. 188 he, yards from scrimmage, <laughs> probably unsustainable. If you've got him on your team, uh, I think you are rightfully starting him, certainly in PPR leagues. Yes. Uh, but I, I do think that's uh, that's an offense. We've seen some pretty wild swings from it. 
Um, th- that was a, a very impressive performance, but uh, as mentioned earlier, Terrell Pryor didn't do too much. Uh, Jordan Reed wasn't able to play due to injury. Same with same with Rob Kelly. Uh, it's still unclear what role Jamison Crowder has. He was a guy who was really talked up in the offseason. Uh, I, I don't recommend uh, hanging on to Josh Doxson just yet, but he had the big play, the 52-yard touchdown catch. So what, what do we make of this offense? Who are sort of the primary beneficiaries? Or is it just going to be Chris Thompson all the time and he's just a top-10 fantasy talent this year and, and we've been totally wrong? So uh, keep an eye on that against, on the road, a tough matchup against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. See how those guys do. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to watch on Monday night. And I like Chris Thompson a lot. I think he's got a ton of upside. I think he can't sustain his touchdown pace, but he's going to see a ton of targets from Kirk Cousins going forward. All right, my guy to watch, Jay Ajayi with the Miami Dolphins. Did not have a good week at all last week, and I think that is an understatement or perhaps an overstatement on how good he was because he was non-existent. I think he had one fantasy point. Uh, If he can't do anything this week, Maybe it's time to start floating that injury theory that uh, Stefania Bell at ESPN has been talking up. The Saints are the most friendly defense when it comes to allowing fantasy running back scoring. So the one caveat is they play at 9.30 a.m. in good old Wembley Stadium. So we're back back to Britain for week four. Yeah, I, on the Sunday show, um, I sort of reacted to that Jets-Dolphins game by saying, I think we should give the Dolphins a bit of a mulligan here. This could be. This was such a ridiculous game, and it was so dominated by the Jets, who, by the way, have this have this lengthy history with the Dolphins. They're obviously divisional rivals for 50 years, and you know, I, I think this just the kind of thing that can happen. I agree that if Ajayi lays in another egg, and or we hear anything more about his knee, he comes out of the game for any reason. I think it will be, if not panic time, at least cause for for major concern. I also want to throw out just like. These London games, I feel like they're such aberrations that the teams are totally out of their routines. Not saying they shouldn't be able to overcome it, but I feel like a lot of times those results, even you know Jacksonville just totally dominating the Ravens, who had been undefeated going into that was it was just yeah, a, all was those weird. games are just odd. So I don't know what you can sort of count on with that, but I, I tend to throw out some of the results from those and not get too fixated on it. So uh, the Saints are totally pitching a shutout next week, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they <laughs> might. That's what I mean. All right, well, if they do, we'll be here to discuss it next week. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a review while you're in there. When you are curious about your fantasy quandaries, check out our content on thewashingtonpost.com. And always hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Mike Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.